Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. Never comes up those stairs. <laughs> Plus, my daughter showed up with her swim goggles. Um, so things are going to be different. Get ready. Uh, my name's Mike. Um, I don't know everybody here, but I know, I know a lot of people. Um, and uh, if you don't know me or you don't know my, my story a little bit, um, uh, I moved here about eight years ago uh, from New England. And, um, uh, and my wife and I, we've been here at Ocean Hills pretty much ever since that time. So we've been part of this community for about eight years. Before I moved out here, I was in uh, pastoral ministry in a couple different churches in Connecticut. And uh, so when, when John approached me, Pastor John approached me a few months ago and said, hey, would you be open to speaking on this particular weekend. It was an easy, easy yes, I, I, I enjoy doing this, I enjoy digging into God's word, I enjoy asking him, honestly, I enjoy asking him what he wants to say to his people, and then listening for what he might, uh, what might come up in my heart or what he might bring to mind. So John said, you know, here's, here's broadly what I want you, what, you know, what we'd want to talk about, and he didn't, I, he didn't like tell me the, the serious theme at that point, he just said, you know, here's one topic. And, uh, but then a few weeks ago, uh, we got together. Uh, he and I, Natalie was there too. We had, some, we had coffee and he kind of like outlined, you know, last week he introduced this, this theme like mild to wild faith. And so he said, you know, that's what I'm thinking. And, and uh, you know, you've got this topic. What, what do you think you would do that? And um, so I said, well... I said, John, what do you think about this passage? And I kind of quickly, just like off the top of my head, you know, like this is what I would think I might do. And um, his eyes got real big. And he said, whoa, that's wild. <laughs> and, and he kind of sat back and thought about it for a minute. And I said, yeah, John, I mean, like if we do this, like are you ready for the mess that's gonna come with it? And he thought about it for a minute, and then he got like that John Ireland smirk, and he kind of chuckled, and he said, well, I'm gonna be at the men's retreat that weekend, so, <laughs> you know, you do what you gotta do, and um, so John, you'll watch later, this one's for you. Um, good luck. Um, yeah. um, we're gonna be talking about a prayer taking our prayer life from mild to wild. Uh, very specifically, we're looking at a passage that's talking about praying for physical healing. And so the doors are there. Um, I know, look, the topic, it can make some of us super uncomfortable because we don't know what to do with it and it can make some of us super excited. Um, and I've been at every point along the spectrum in between. Um, so let me tell you right now, what we're not gonna do this morning. Three things this message is not about. 
This message is not going to be a full and complete explanation of how God heals in every circumstance. We don't have time for that, so we're not gonna try. This message is not a full and complete explanation of um, the power of prayer and everything that, that goes into that. That would take far more time than we have, so we're not gonna try to do that. Um, and this message is not a full and complete explanation of every exception to when we pray for people and we don't see what we hope for. Um, that's what this message is not. So, like, let's just set our expectations in the right spot. Here's what I hope this message is or will be. I expect that what we will do is approach one particular New Testament passage, faithfully, honestly, for what it says, what it meant to one particular New Testament community and the expectations that they had around this issue, this topic. That's what we're gonna address. And I'm expecting that what we talk about will be in some parts challenging to us today and in some parts encouraging. Um, that's, my, that's my hope for this morning. So now we know what we're not gonna do and we have some idea of what we are gonna do and we can just dive in. The, um, the passage we're gonna look at is James chapter five, verses 13 through 18. So just six short verses. Um, I'll read, we'll read through the passage and then um, we'll go back. I've got four different, I'm out of practice, so I've got four points instead of three. Um, but I've got four different things we, we're gonna pull out of this. We'll have fun with it. All right, James chapter five, verses 13 through 18 starts like this. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Now that's a good word right there. We could stop and go home. Um, that's awesome. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. That's the word of the Lord. So, if we're going to pray for people's healing, first thing we got to do, we got to pray like Jesus. Verse 14 says this, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Now that elders bit, we'll come back to that after a little while. Um, so just hang on to that piece. We'll, come, we'll, we'll, we'll revisit that. Um, what I want to look at is this, this piece about um, praying for one another, anointing each other um, in the name of the Lord. Um, this is as technical as I'm going to get this morning. So um, just one little actually grammatical piece for uh, the grammar nerds in the house. They're all over here. 
Um, just one technical piece. Uh, this phrase could actually, I mean, you, the, the name of the Lord that comes at the end of this, in the name of the Lord, could be applied both to the praying and the anointing with oil. So, I mean, it'd be awkward to write it this way, but you could say, um, let them come and pray with, over them in the name of the Lord and anoint them in, with oil in the name of the Lord. But, you know, that makes for clunky language, so that's not the way, to, but it applies to both. And by the way, the oil thing, it's a symbolic thing. Uh, some uh, ancient uh, cultures, ancient people believe oil had some medicinal properties. So that's, this is the only thing I'm gonna say about this, that this is not a message about prayer or medicine. I don't think those two things work uh, against each other. I don't think they need to be separated. I think they can be both. And moving on. Um, so if we're going to pray for healing, one of the things that James says is that we have to come in and we have to pray over the sick person in the name of the Lord. Now, what does that mean? I don't know how many of you are in this habit. I'm often in this habit of um, when I pray, I often wrap up my prayer with, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, and I don't know where I picked that up, probably just because I've heard so many, I heard so many other people do it, especially when I was, when I was a kid. Um, Je Jesus actually tells his disciples um, in John 14, he says, whatever you ask in my name will be done for you. Whatever you ask. So if I say in Jesus' name at the end of my prayers, it must happen, it has to. It's like instantaneous, Jesus said it, right? Um, Lord God, merciful, wonderful God, please take my rusted out, struggling Honda Civic and transform it into a gleaming red Porsche 911 convertible. In Jesus' name, all right. These aren't magic words. This is not a formula. Nothing about praying for healing, praying for people is a formula. The Bible had a word for that sort of thing. Uh, the Bible called it magic, and that's not what this is. Magic is if I say X, Y is gonna happen. If I declare a certain spell, a certain incantation in a special way, in a, certain, in a very particular way, then I know this is gonna be the result. It's formulaic, that's what magic is. And the Bible actually clearly condemns it and that's nothing about what we're talking about. So what is it to pray in Jesus' name? What does that mean? Uh, my wife and I, Kate, um, one of the things that we've always enjoyed doing throughout our relationship, we love going out to eat. Um, especially these, we do it less often now than we used to with two kids now, but it's like the one place where we can sit, we sit down, 
You get food in front of you, and now all of a sudden you feel like you can share. You can share what's on your heart. You can share what's, what you're thinking about, what you've been wrestling with at work, um, in our, you know, where our lives diverge, and then we come back together. We can share those things, what we want to do in the future, all those sorts of things. They happen over a meal. So we've always enjoyed going out to eat. My wife, God bless her, she has a very peculiar thing I learned uh, when it came to restaurants. It may be totally normal, but it was strange to me because it wasn't the way I approached restaurants. If we go out to eat someplace for the first time at a, at a new restaurant, uh, my wife, if she orders something, she'll pick something from the menu. If she likes it, then that is what she's getting every time we go back to that restaurant. Um, it's, it's, it's locked in. Um, and so I started to learn over time that if we went out to eat, we could, we could show up at the restaurant, we could be seated. Um, if she got up and left the table, went to use the restroom, and then the waiter came by, I learned that I could actually order for the two of us, know that when she came back to the table, sat down, and then the food was brought out, uh, she'd be perfectly happy and, uh, and content, um, satisfied with what came out. Um, so in that instance, if she's gone from the table, the waiter comes by and I order, what am I doing? I'm ordering dinner in Kate's name. What does it mean to pray in Jesus' name. It means to pray as if Jesus were standing in your shoes. What would he say with this sick person in front of him, this person who's ill, this person who's hurting, what would, what would he pray for? What would he ask? That's what it means to pray in Jesus' name. And I don't know about you guys, I've, I've, I've read through the Gospels, I can't find, a, I can't find an instance where somebody who was not well stood in front of Jesus and walked away sick. I don't know of an example. So my starting point, if I'm praying for somebody who's not well, is that Jesus, wants, Jesus if he were standing in my place, he would, he would heal this person. He would make him or her well. That's where I'm gonna start. So number one, if we're gonna pray for healing for people, we have to pray like Jesus. Number two, we have to pray, if we're gonna pray for people uh, to be healed, we have to pray with love. Look at the next verse. Uh, the first half of the next verse says, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. Now this has tripped some people up. The prayer offered in faith. Um, anybody here, actually, um, it's a good question. Anybody here ever prayed for somebody who, who was sick? Anybody ever not have that person get better? Yeah. What do you do with that? That's an important question. Um, I think sometimes we've read this verse and we've thought this person didn't get better because I didn't believe it enough. I didn't believe it strongly enough. I didn't believe it deeply enough. I wasn't sure if God would actually heal this person. I wasn't sure if God actually could or if he did that anymore. Sometimes we've put the blame on ourselves for this. 
I actually think that's not our problem. I think, I don't think what James is referring to here is a lack of faith or that our faith has to be big enough or strong enough or wide enough in order to make the person, the sick person well. Um, I mean, think about it this way. Uh, there's a story in Mark chapter nine uh, where uh, there's a young boy actually who uh, is not well. Uh, Mark actually says the boy has a demon in him and the father is distraught. I mean, the demon's basically out to kill the boy. And the father comes to Jesus and he's desperate for help. And he says, Jesus, can you heal my son? And Jesus tells him, anything is possible for him who believes. That's what Jesus, how Jesus responds to the man. And the man has this wonderful, amazing response back to Jesus. He says, I, he says, I believe, help my unbelief. He's completely honest about where he is. The father's at best like 50-50 on this thing. I think you can do it. I'm not totally sure. I'm hoping for the best, but you know, I've been disappointed before. And then Jesus goes about healing, healing the boy. How much faith did that father need? Later, uh, Jesus tells his disciples, um, uh, where is this, Matthew, Matthew 17, he tells his disciples, and this has a very particular context, a very particular meaning, and I know that, and that's, that's fine, we can get into that later, but he tells his disciples, he says, if you have faith the side of, of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be cast into the sea, and it will be done. That has a whole thing to do, I think, with the temple, and like what Jesus was about to do, and upturning the whole system, and all that business, and what it meant, in their, whatever, that's another time. But what he tells his disciples, you need faith the size of a mustard seed. I've got a canister of mustard seed in my spice cabinet. Those suckers are this big. How much faith did they need? That much. So I really don't think the size and scope of our faith when praying for healing is usually the issue. I think more often than not, if we have a lack of faith, we're not even trying. So what is the prayer offered in faith that's gonna heal the person in front of us? I think actually what James is doing, I think he's restating what he said before. Remember, he said, <clears throat> have the elders come in, pray over the person in the name of the Lord. I think he's just saying the same thing in a different way. That's the prayer offered in faith. It's the prayer that's offered in the name of the Lord. It's the prayer that is aligned with God's heart. It's the prayer that understands what God wants to do in this moment and speaks that into existence right in front of the person who's not well. Does that make sense? The prayer offered in faith is the prayer that's aligned with God's will. It's the prayer that knows God's heart and is desperate for that to happen right here and right now. And the one thing, if I don't know anything else about God's heart, the one thing I know about it is that God is love. And so if I can start there, if I can approach somebody with a heart full of love and compassion, if I can uh, walk up to a sick person or somebody who is physically in pain and offer a prayer from compassion and love, whatever the result, there's no loss there. At the very least, that person knows that somebody cares for them and that somebody 
is coming on behalf of their creator, on behalf of their father. So whatever the outcomes, like if, if I'm approaching thinking, well, this is what Jesus would do, or at least I think this is what Jesus would do, and I would come at this person with love, then I'm already on the right track. So if we're going to pray for healing for people, we've got to pray like Jesus. We've got to pray with love. And number three, if we're going to pray for healing for people, we have to pray all the way to the root of the problem. Look at uh, the second half of verse 15 and into 16. If they have sinned, this is the sick person, if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess, now he's talking to the whole community, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. This just feels like it takes like a a left turn here. I thought we were talking about praying for healing, praying for sick people, and now we're talking about sin and forgiveness. What's the connection here? Our culture, um, our culture draws, uh, well, I shouldn't say all of our culture, but I mean, this is a common thought. It actually, it's not a new thought. I mean, there were people in the Old Testament that thought this way. There were people in the New Testament that thought this way. There's people now that think this way, um, that think like, oh, if I'm sick, that means I did X, Y, or Z sin, right? This is a result of something immediate that, that I did. Like, this would be like, um, you know, like it's Friday afternoon and week, you're, you're looking forward to the weekend. You don't really have anything planned yet, but you're looking forward to the weekend anyway, looking forward to some time off. And you get a text message from, um, you get a text message from one of those friends that's like, you're not really friends. You kind of see them in certain contexts, but you're not real wild about this person. You'd rather not spend a lot of time with them. You get a text message and you're like, hey, what are you doing tonight? Let's, let's go get drinks. And you're like, oh, thank God this was a text message. <laughs> and then you're like, oh gosh, if only you'd written me like an hour ago. I just made plans to visit my grandmother. <laughs> She's in the hospital. I'm going to read to her. No, you're not. You're going to go home. You're going to watch Netflix and pour yourself a glass of wine. And then the next morning, you wake up, and you got the sniffles, and you got a sore throat, and you're like, I lied to that person. I was insincere, and now I'm sick. That, that's called karma. That's not a biblical idea. <laughs> now, the biblical idea, I, I can't explain it, not entirely. There is a connection between sin and sickness. Adam and Eve reached for the apple. Well, it wasn't an apple. It was a piece of fruit. We don't know what it was. Probably a pomegranate. They reach for, they reach for the fruit that they're not supposed to eat, and boom, Sickness, death. There is a connection between sin and sickness. It's not always one-to-one. For the logicians in the room, correlation is not causation, but correlation is often something. Uh, So there is a connection between sin and sickness. But James also gives us good news. There is also a strong correlation between forgiveness 
and healing. And this I also can't explain, but I can tell you a story. Um, a good friend of, of mine, good friend of many of ours, um, uh, in our congregation, Dr. Holly Beers. Um, uh, love it every time she gets a chance to teach us from up here. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember, several years ago, um, Holly got into an accident um, on her Vespa. I don't know what it is about this church, Vespas and accidents. Um, correlation is not causation. Um, but remember, uh, Holly got into an accident. She was, she was on her scooter, she got hit, uh, broke several bones, bruised up, uh, really in, in some rough shape. Um, now over time, uh, the bones healed, the bruises went away, um, and yet there was still something lingering. Um, and, and I remember uh, one Sunday, she came over, uh, right over here, she came over to me and my wife, we were sitting over there after church, she came over and she said, can you pray for me? She said, I, you know, I had this accident a little while ago, um, and um, ever since then, I keep getting these excruciating and debilitating headaches. And they're so severe that when they come on, I can't focus, I can't think straight, I can't be present with people, I can't, I can't write, I can't teach, I, I'm, I'm useless when these things come on and they've been recurring and they've been, they've been pretty, pretty regular, pretty constant. And she asked for us to pray for her. Of course we would, of course we pray for her. Uh, we love her, we, she's our friend. And uh, so, so Kate and I start to pray for her, and right away my starting point is, well, if Jesus were sitting in this seat and he were praying for Holly, what would he do? Well, he'd heal her. She wouldn't walk away with headaches. Um, okay, so I'm start, let's start there. And then, as we're praying for, this thought kind of passes through my mind, and I'm like, well, I don't know what that's necessarily about, but let's go for it. So he said, I said, Holly, um, this may sound a little strange, but... Have you thought to forgive the guy who hit you? Now, I don't even know if Holly knew who this guy was. I'm, did you ever meet him? You did, okay. Uh, you never know, like, oh, okay, woman, all right. Fair enough. Um, uh, but, I, you know, I don't know what the situation is. Sometimes you get in a, if you get in a car accident, you exchange information. I, if you're thrown from a Vespa, I don't know if you really have the wherewithal to be like, here, here's my insurance card. Let me take your number and while I'm lying on the side of the road and, you know. But I didn't know if she'd actually met the woman. Um, but I said, have you ever thought to forgive her? And, you know, would you be able to do that right now? Would you be able to do that right here? Um, and she said, yeah, I can, I can give that a shot. And, I mean, I've been there before where I've been really hurt, not really physically by somebody else, but certainly emotionally. And offering that forgiveness, that's really hard to do, especially when it's fresh. Um, and sometimes you say the words, you offer forgiveness, you don't even know if you mean it. You don't even know if you're there yet, but you can start. You can start to say the words and you start to move your heart behind your body or behind your tongue at least. Um, and so Holly did, right there in the moment, she, she did her best to, to leave the consequences uh, for what this woman did, likely unintentionally, I mean, I'm sure unintentionally, uh, up to Jesus, up to the Lord. 
and not hold on to that responsibility yourself. And now Holly didn't have a headache when she came to, came to talk to us that morning, but I think she felt left feeling lighter, maybe feeling a little bit taller, a little bit straighter. And then I got a text message uh, from her four or five days later saying simply, I haven't had a headache all week. I've been able to focus. I've been able to do my work. I've been able to be with my family and be present with them. There's a connection somehow between forgiveness and healing. And I say about that because sometimes our sickness, our, um, our sickness, our, our ill health, is really just a symptom of something deeper that is also affecting us. Now, I've heard people talk about this passage and other passages like it and say something along the lines of like, well, all God's really interested in is the state of your heart. He's really not all that interested in the state of your body. I don't totally buy it um, because our bodies also affect our hearts and our hearts affect our bodies. And the one reason, the one thing, the only, the only explanation I know for how, the only, the only reason I really need to give for how I know God cares about our bodies is because Jesus was raised from the dead with a body. And one day, every one of us will be raised from the dead with a body. So I know he cares about that. But I also know he cares deeply about where our heart is. And he cares deeply about the health of our heart and our spirit. And this is not an either or situation. This is also a both and situation. Um, yeah, I, so I was thinking about this earlier and I was thinking like, I would, if I had bronchitis, I would rather have a doctor who could do something about the virus inside that would also take care of the cough than have a doctor that just handed me uh, a lozenge. So to hear this will help. So you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes our sickness, our ill health, it's a symptom of something much deeper. If God wants to get to the root, which will also take care of the symptom. Does that make sense? So if we're gonna pray for people to be healed, if we're gonna get wild about this, we've gotta one, pray like Jesus. Two, we gotta pray with love. And three, we gotta pray all the way to the root of the problem. Now that could get tricky, because I may not know what the root really is. And the person in front of me who's not well, he or she may not know what the root really is. And so Elijah gives this other example, and this brings us to our last point. Um, if we're going to pray for people to be healed, we've got to spend a lot of time with God. More than anything else, we have to spend time with him so that we know his voice, we know his heart, and we can listen to what he may want to do in any particular instance. <clears throat> James goes on like this. He says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And then he gives an example. Elijah was a human being even as we are. 
And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. If you don't know Elijah, he's one of the most fascinating characters uh, in the Old Testament. His story, uh, this particular story is contained in 1 Kings uh, 17 and 18. Um, Elijah is a prophet, and when he first shows up in the biblical record, uh, essentially he walks up to the king of Israel, and he says, listen, um, king, it's not going to rain here in Israel again until I say so. And then he walks out. That's how he's introduced. Now, we're all Californians. And so it puzzles me how a righteous person could pray for a drought. And that would somehow be in alignment with God's heart and will. And yet that's what Elijah does. And that's what James essentially praises him for. So we need some context, we need some backstory. Um, in Elijah's day, the entire nation of Israel at that stage had essentially abandoned um, God, their creator, and they had stead, instead had shifted to worship, primarily worship a foreign god called Baal. Um, and uh, Baal's an interesting figure. Um, actually, People have dug up actual figures of Baal, little statu statuettes, and he, he kind of he stands like this, and he's always, almost always got like this spear in his hand. And it's really interesting because the spear on the, on the like tip end of it is in the fashion of like a lightning bolt. And then the back end of the spear is in the fashion of a stalk of wheat. And what they're trying to symbolize in what Baal was supposed to be able to do was control the weather. And if you control the weather in an agrarian society, that means you bring the rains when they need rain, that means you bring the sun when you need sun, that means the crops grow, that means people eat, that means society flourishes. So you can understand why they were drawn to a God who claimed to be able to do this. And now you understand why Elijah's thinking, in line with his God, oh boy, if we're gonna heal the nation's heart, we have to break the dependence on this God they think controls the weather. So let's make it stop raining and see how dependent on Baal they can be. Now you start to understand what Elijah's thinking and why when he approaches the king, says, it's not gonna rain till I say so, what he's trying to do is get at the root of the issue. He's trying to get at the heart and do what he can so that God can then show his love to the people, that he can then show his heart for how much he looks for and works for their thriving. Does that make sense? So Elijah prays that it doesn't rain. It doesn't rain for three and a half years. And this story in 1 Kings 17, it, this is the story that ends on Mount Carmel where you've got... Elijah on one side and you got 400 prophets of Baal on the other side and they make a little sacrifice and they say, whichever God uh, lights this thing up, that's the real God and the prophets of Baal do their thing for a while and, and then Elijah's just basically like, hey God, do it. <laughs> and you got, you got, um, 
you got fire. Um, and then the very next thing is, now watch out, here comes the rain. And next thing you know, there's just a torrent that comes through. Uh, and it's so, the rain is so heavy that the king's chariot can't move forward. It's stuck in the mud. We had some of that rain this last, this last winter. Um, but you understand, so Elijah's a righteous person. All that means, Elijah's somebody who spent the time with God. Spent the time listening to the Lord. Spent the time allowing his heart to be shaped and molded as he listened and spent time with the Lord. That's why I think at the beginning of this passage, James says, have the elders come in and pray for people. Who are the elders? At the very least, elders are people who are mature in knowing who Jesus is. Mature in knowing God's heart. So if we're gonna pray for people who are sick, people who are unwell, and we're gonna expect the Lord to show up, we gotta pray like Jesus, who healed everybody he ever came in contact with. We gotta pray with love. We have to pray all the way to the root. And if we're gonna do that and do that well, we gotta spend time with the Lord. We gotta let our hearts be shaped by his. We gotta learn to understand and know in the moment, God, what do you wanna do for this person that's standing right in front of me that needs you, that needs help, that's desperate? How do you wanna show your love to this person? The, um, the first time Kate and I ever went out to dinner, I made a huge mistake. See, I grew up in a place where, I grew up in a place of strip malls, chain stores, chain restaurants. My wife grew up here in Santa Barbara. Our idea of fine dining. <laughs> so I took her to like the best uh, Italian pizzeria place I could think of. Uh, I mean, there's, you, can get, you can get little better. In my mind at that time, you could get little better than uh, the wonderful Bertucci's. And um, it was only much later that I, she was very gracious about it, but it was only much later that I learned, oh, that was probably a mistake. Um, it took time spent to understand what kind of outing, what kind of experience would delight her heart. It took time spent to come to understand what she was gonna enjoy, what she was gonna love, and what would truly make her heart happy, uh, at least in, in, that, in that particular avenue. It takes time. It takes investment, it takes conversation, it takes a lot of listening to start to understand Lord, what do you want to do with someone who's in front of me, with someone who is hurting, someone who is in pain? So here's where it gets wild. And I have no idea how this is gonna go, but this is, this is what we're gonna try. If you're in this room and you're not feeling well, 
as minor or as big as it is. Could be something that you feel there's, is in pain right now and is noticeable. It could be something that's internal that nobody would necessarily know. If you're in a place where you actually need God to touch you, God to heal you, God to do something in your body and in your heart, I want you to be courageous and stand up. Now normally, we ask prayer teams to come up on either side and stand up here and they are amazing people. They love listening to God's heart on people's behalf and praying for folks. This morning, we're all gonna be the prayer team. And so if you see somebody standing up, I want you to stand next to them. And I want you to put a hand on their shoulders. There should be nobody standing alone when it's all said and done. I said earlier that there's no formula to this. There are no magic words. And so here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna offer a prayer. It's gonna be simple. Um, I'm gonna offer a prayer. The, the band's just gonna kinda put some music behind it. And um, we don't have to know what's going on necessarily with somebody physically. We don't have to know what's going on with their bodies. Uh, the Lord knows what's happening in your body. The Lord knows what, what, what might be wrong or what you're eager for, desperate for. Um, and so I'm just gonna invite the Lord to come and do what he likes to do. And we're gonna wait for a little bit and see what happens. Does that sound good to you? Like I said, this is where it gets wild. So Father, we thank you that you're good. We're so grateful that you are love. We're so grateful that you sent your son to show us what that love looks like. And so Jesus, this morning, as we stand with our brothers and sisters who are hurting, we just turn to you and we say, Lord, do what you like to do. Lord, show us your love. And if you're standing with somebody, you can pray your own prayer. Keep it simple. Keep it, uh, keep it direct. The main thing is we're dependent, on, we're dependent on God and His Spirit. So I'll invite you to pray for the people you're standing with. And we're just gonna wait and we're gonna listen.
And now if, if you're being prayed for, I'm gonna ask you to do something. I'm gonna ask you if there, if what you were dealing with was something something that was physically painful or something that, you know, hurt before or, or whatever the case is or limited your movement or something like that, I'm going to ask, actually ask you to test it, not in a way that, you know, would immediately cause you to crumble to the ground, but, you know, give it a, give it a shot. I'm going to ask you to test it. And even if that wasn't the case for you, I want, I'm going to ask you to turn to the people that are praying for you and just let them know what's going on. What are you experiencing? What are you feeling? Is there anything happening? So we can get a little feedback going. Now, who's noticing anything improving? Who's noticed anything that's better? One. Who else? We're noticing a difference. So the Lord's up to something. Let's keep going. Jesus, we thank you that you're moving. We thank you that your heart is for your people. We thank you that you're here and speaking. And so keep going, Lord, we ask. Keep moving. Keep going. And now again, if you're being prayed for, it's your opportunity to test what's happening. If you had a bum ankle, give it a jostle, put some weight on it, whatever it is. And turn and tell the people that are praying for you what's happening. The feedback loop is important because it encourages the people that are praying for you if something's happening. And they can keep praying if it's just the start of something. Um, that's actually really helpful and it encourages all of us. Um, we do have kids that need to be picked up. And so the band's gonna play like they normally do. <laughs> and so I just wanna acknowledge that, like, I hope you're encouraged, I hope you're blessed. The Lord's here, he loves us, he loves you. And so you're welcome to stay in that moment. Um, 
if there's nobody else to pick up your kids, I, I understand that's a responsibility. And our workers do such a great job, and they need our help by us relieving them. Um, and so let me just pray a blessing. And if you need to go get your kids, you can. If you need to go, you can. If you need to stay, please do. And if you want to stay, please do. So Father, thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. Thank you that you sent your son to bring life and life abundant in every aspect, in every facet. Jesus, we declare that we love you. Our hearts are for you. And we want to be shaped by you. And go with us. In Jesus' name, amen.